Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wannabe Entrepreneur, the podcast about what's really like to bootstrap a company. And today we have here Mariana Trigo. Hey Mariana, welcome to the show. Hello Tiago, happy to be here. Good morning. Good morning, good morning. Uh, Mariana scheduled this for uh, nine and for me, nine is still quite challenging. You know, like my day started around 10. <laughs> my brain starts working at around 10. But not for you, right Mariana? You started around uh, 6 a.m. you said? Yeah, 6.30 today. Yeah, wow. I am a little bit of a morning person. Yeah. So <laughs> usually I go to CrossFit at 7. Wow, I don't understand that. I don't understand <laughs> people that can wake up so early uh, and go exercise. My God, it's great. Yeah, the uh, thing is, if we if we wake up that early and you do nothing, you probably fall asleep right after. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, good point. Very good point. Marianne and I uh, met each other in the conference, in the Future Works. Uh, so... As I already told my listeners, I, I did a talk and Mariana did as well one. Um, and I talked about how to become an indie hacker. And uh, after the talk, Mariana told me that she was an indie hacker without knowing, right? So <laughs> I, for me, that was really, really interesting to get that. And, and after that, I got that answer from a couple other people, especially Portuguese people, actually, uh, telling me that, uh, yeah, they, they were indie hacker. That they just didn't know that this was a, a term. They were like, okay, I'm just kind of hacking things together, but I didn't know that there was a whole community around it. Mariana is um, originally in the biology world and background, and then uh, after a while she decided to upskill or reskill herself and uh, kind of do the shift towards the tech area. So doing, uh, even though she's not a coder herself, she's working in the tech areas like project management. And, and now she's also helping people doing that transition and she started her own business it's called techia and we'll be speaking about that but basically techia helps non-tech people doing this career shift which is something that more and more especially in portugal people i would say are thinking on doing uh, because you know the biology and other areas they are non-tech are quite challenging here so yeah welcome welcome to the show again mariana it's a pleasure to have you here and uh, yeah, let's let's start with uh, with the question that is in my mind, which is, what did you think of my talk? <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> question. Com com yeah, I know, I know, but completely honest, completely <laughs> honest feedback. Before before we get started into you, yeah, give me the honest feedback and give me the improver where I can improve <laughs> next time. No, I think for me, at least, your your talk came in the right moment because it was actually quite curious. Like maybe 30 minutes before, I think I, I was delayed for your talk. I was speaking with another speaker that we spoke about Tekia and I explained him a little bit of what we were doing. And he was telling me like, Mariana, okay, you have to go for funding. In three years, you will sell your right. company to Coursera for a several several millions. And I, the first question, I was thinking about that and I asked him like, okay, what about your quality of life? And he was like, hmm, yes, so that <laughs> it's kind of, it doesn't exist. And I started thinking like, okay, should I go for funding? I work a lot already. I really like what I'm doing, but do I really want to spend the next three or five years just knocking on doors, searching for investment instead of focusing on the people that I'm helping and in the product itself? And then you appeared. <laughs> and suddenly, half an hour later, I am hearing about a different concept, which I had never heard yeah. about. Uh, and I ask even some people, like, do you know what this is? And they're like, no, never heard about it. <laughs> I'm like, you, I remember your slide where you put, I don't remember if the first one was working for someone else and then indie hacker and then funding, more or less. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I am a total indie hacker at the moment, like solo entrepreneur. This makes a lot of sense. And then you spoke basically about my pains, which a major one is feeling lonely because you are starting a project by yourself and you know that it has a huge potential and you know how it can help people. And at least on my side, I see that change in their lives. And I think, okay, do I want to keep doing this alone? Do I need to bring more people in. So that part, that pain of feeling lonely was one of the major things that got my attention in your right, talk. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. 
and and now tell me about the the improval points. Like, what what can I? Is there anything I can do better? I know I felt like I don't know how, how you how you feel because you also did a, an interview an interview. I sorry a talk, mm-hmm. but it it was my first time like doing something with this kind of um, uh, prof- professionalism. You know where they. There's someone like preparing you and putting the mic and and telling you, okay, go here. And then when when I was before I I, start, I entered in the, in the stage, they were like, okay, make sure to be in between this line and that line because of the shadow, and make sure if you want to drink water, you can go there and drink water. Like so many details. Like oh my god, I thought I was just going there and talk, uh, and suddenly there were so many things that you know I felt I I was looking too much to the to the monitor. We have like a little monitor showing the slides. That I really didn't know where to look at. Uh, what do you do? You have the same experience? Well, more or less. Um, I've I've been a professional dancer for ten years, so okay. being on stage, it's kind of easy. It was weird to be speaking instead of dancing because I am more used to the other part. Yeah, but for <laughs> me, you could start dancing. Like, yeah, no, <laughs> I could. I could. Well, I've seen that happening actually. <laughs> but well, from from your talk, I think one of the key things that you brought in uh, was your your main message was quite clear. That right. was what is an indie hacker and you're not alone. There's more people doing this and you can right. have their support as well. So for me, that was the major thing. And that is the main thing that you did really well because okay. you brought a clean concept, you explained it and you had an impact on the other side. At least I felt that impact. The rest, I think it always can improve with time. And even if you feel like I was pretty comfortable. I didn't look at the screen. <laughs> There's yeah. only some points to to improve. Like we we don't born um, an amazing as an amazing speaker. Right. So interesting that like the the main point of my talk was to describe what an indie hacker was. Even though for me that was just like a little detail. Like for me the <laughs> the audience first approach, the, the whole method that I introduced was the most important thing. But I get. It was the other way around, which is really interesting. Yeah, maybe for me because it was such a, a new concept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I always feel like the the huge impact or the biggest impact that you have during a talk is the moment where people identify themselves right. with what you're saying. So for me, the turning point was that um, that the feeling of okay, but suddenly I belong somewhere. Right. You know. Yeah. 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 Was there any, what, what did you think of the event? Did you like it? Uh, did you learn something? Yeah, for me, uh, it was a huge turning point, especially from the people that I've met there and okay. how do they look at Techia and their ideas and how can I grow the company? What, right. what are the next steps? So that was a very important impact that I had there. Then for the first time, I had my students there. So I met some wow. of them. Yeah, and that was quite interesting. And I even had people that joined our last edition of the Techia Pro program. And they they have kids at home. They -hmm. have their personal lives. And they are not living in Lisbon. So they had to to make a huge sacrifice going there for two days, leaving their kids. So it was like, yeah, these people is really making this transition and believing it. Right. And for people that are not in tech, usually this world sounds like a dream. Right. Like not only regarding salaries, but mainly benefits, uh, flexibility, mm. freedom, working from anywhere, um, progression in your career, etc. It feels too good to be true. Right. And that was actually the, the on Saturday we did like a panel with people that are ready to transition to tech. Yeah. And that was one of the main things when we spoke about reskilling. It's it looks like a dream and people don't believe it. So right. it was important for me to see my students there and it's not me that I tell that is telling you this there's a lot of people a lot of, a lot of companies here that want to hire people so just believe it <laughs> mm-hmm. did you did you speak with any of those companies yeah i spoke with maybe 3 or 4 right um i was expecting something a little bit different because usually um they have sales people in those kinds of fairs right. this time they had a lot of people from human resources Mm-hmm. And that's actually something that I hope Techia will help revolutionize mm-hmm. because human resources area, it still has a long way to go. So basic things like explaining what our company does, 
which should be quite easy mm -hmm. to explain in that context. And even what kind of roles are we hiring um, and trying to create a connection with a person right away. I don't think that was really being done there. And I felt a little bit, a little bit of that side lacking because right. it's hard to hire inside tech. We know that already. But if the company is there, they can easily create a huge connection with people, either developers or product managers, uh, scrum masters, whatever it is. And what I felt was like, yeah, we have a lot of uh, job openings. Just go to our website and you can see what we are hiring for. Right. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm here now. <laughs> <laughs> Normally, that's that's the experience I have. People go there and they just like say what, what we do and what we have. Uh, so I think, yeah, I think it would be cool to really do a proper connection. One thing that really surprised me was when I was asking everyone, like, what is your biggest challenge, right? And, you know, bear in mind that we are now in the like, unprecedented crisis with, like, the threat of a nuclear war, and we had COVID before, and it's completely crazy. And I, I thought that people would be like, you know, the energy price being so so high is a huge challenge or something like this. But the, the biggest challenge that everyone told, told me uh, about was uh, actually hiring. Everyone was saying that it's extremely hard to hire talent and to retain talent. And then at the same time, I was thinking, okay, but this is Portugal. So are they, what are the salaries, right? So, so I, I, the impression I got was that people, even though it's tech, right? I, I, don't, I cannot even imagine the other areas, but even in tech in Portugal, people expect that you go there and work like long hours for quote unquote low salaries. Uh, in comparison with the whole Europe, I think in Portugal there are good salaries, uh, and I could really see that you know that that um, discourse of people saying, "Ah, yeah, uh, people just, they don't love they don't love the company enough. I don't want them to be here for the money." Um, wh what are your thoughts on that about like the life at work here in Portugal and salaries and all of that? Well, I moved to tech five years ago. Mm -hmm. And my experience was amazing <laughs> in okay. every single company I passed through. So I didn't pass through any nightmare of those of working long hours or having a lot of pressure. Well, I always felt pretty good. I, I passed through, I think I'm in the fourth company now. And okay. I passed through a software agency, uh, an American startup, a big one, like 15,000 um, employees. And now I moved to a startup again because that's what I like. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the major errors from the candidate side is not to understand what's on the other side. And this means about values, about culture, about how is it really on the other side and making mm -hmm. those questions. Uh, do you say you are, we have flexible schedule? Well, but what does that mean? For example, I have unlimited PTO now, which is unlimited paid time off. But in practice, what does this mean? Yeah, like, yeah. can I take six months, six months off? And well, I'll see you in yeah. July. And I remember doing this question to the HR. And he, in, that, in that moment, he told me, look, for example, if you have a festival and you could work during the day and just go to the festival at night. But if the work is going, like if there's nothing major Maybe you can take those two days off and not being worried about having 30 days or 40 days. Right. So these kinds of um, real use cases of how things will be on the other side, I think that's a major thing. Yeah. And it's one of the things that I teach all of our students because usually they are like, the first thing that appears, I will grab it and I will accept that job offer. But if you don't like the company, if you don't like the product that they are building, like if they are exploring South America and bringing bananas to Portugal, it's one thing. If they are focused on planting trees and saving the climate is a total different right, thing. Right. And this kind of mindset is usually not in our heads by yeah, default. Definitely. Definitely. I'm, I'm even quite surprised uh, that you are saying this right away because that's, that's definitely true. You know, I think a lot of people here in Portugal just want to accept whatever they, they get. Uh, because we were taught that getting a job was so important, and and we went through that you know 2008 crisis and and bankruptcy, right? Like country bankruptcy. So we really thought, okay, having a job is extremely extremely important. I, I worked in Germany, right? I worked in Germany for six years, and uh, it was a complete change of reality. You know, I went there in 2015, 
end of 2015, I was like, and they, they offer him that exactly a deal where they say like, you have unlimited holidays. Uh, and I was like, what, how is this even possible? Um, and then of course, like my first paycheck was extreme. Like I would never imagine having this paycheck as a junior, like as a complete junior. My first job was for 45 K, you know, 45 K is my first, you know, I, I asked for less. I was like, I, I thought I was asking too much when I asked for 30 K and then they said like, no, it's 45. I was like, oh my God, what is this? You know, it's, it's amazing. And, and back then. Like, telling this to my friends here in Portugal, they'd be like, what? That, that makes no sense. And, and the fact that you're telling me that this already exists is really encouraging. How many days did you actually end up taking uh, of holiday? You know? Well, I just moved to this company three months ago. Ah, so it's the new company. <laughs> so I thought it was the recent. first one. Yeah. yeah, but for example, next week I have a friend coming over all the way from Egypt. And okay. he asked me, like, how many days can you take um, yeah. uh, off? And I told him, like, well, whatever, what's what's the plan? And yeah. I took t yesterday, I asked my boss, like, uh, is it okay, this, this, this? If it's not, just let me know, because I know it's, like, short notice. And, like, five minutes uh, later, it was approved. And I'm wow. like, okay, <laughs> that's fine. But, of course, it's not, like, um, a very demanding season for the product mm -hmm. itself that we yeah. are selling for the yeah, platform. Yeah, yeah. So, I guess there's two sides here, which is if you have a lot of flexibility, it also brings the responsibility. Mm. And you were speaking about um, like dressing the shirt of the company. Yeah. yeah. Uh, embrace it. And I think yeah, that's, I, I could only think as well a, of the Portuguese expression. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's hard to translate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think that's, that's a major thing because um, I, I usually don't separate my personal life yeah. from my job life i don't mm -hmm. i think they should just cohabit cohabit <laughs> in the same yeah. environment let's say um because as i was telling you before we start this we have like a bug in production today so we need to fix that as soon as possible so if that happens at 8 a.m or at 7 p.m and it happens that i'm there i will be dealing with that because if it was my company i also would like people to be focused on that if yeah, they Maria, can, but it's it's course. not your company so what I, I had the same when i first started i was like the same i was like yeah i i i want to embrace it i want to be there uh, and then i started realizing that it's actually not my company and if they they want to fire you they will they will not think about oh but she gave so much to this company or if they want to not hear your opinions they want. They will just like, no, this is what we want to do. And yeah, we don't care. Of course, that there's in startups is, is different. It's much better in startups. I agree. Because then I worked in a big company, in a smaller company. And startup was much, much cooler. But still, like, I, I also had like this mindset, mindset shift where I thought, yeah, I will love the company. I will love the job. But I'm still an individual. I still have my own personal life as well, which is really important. Like one thing that tech, big tech companies did were like, okay, we are going to create the whole life for you, like personal and social life. You like find your friends, your husband, your wife, your sports, your traveling partners, everything will be in this company. And if you leave the company, you leave all of that. And, and, I, and I've done that. And a lot of my biggest friends now are, are from, I met them in Trivago, but I, when I left, I, there was like a huge part of my life that was taken away from me. It's like, oh my God, what now? You know, um, so and so now I kind of change a little bit my mindset and my, of course I, I want to give everything for the company but I also need to take something for myself you know like I need a good paycheck uh, because that's how I'm going to be compensated like people can say yeah you'll get stocks yeah stocks are nice but I need a, a basic like a base paycheck because I never know if the company will work um, and I need th those minimal conditions that I want so I need to take something out of the company as well either like knowledge or money or work in the industry that I want, something I need to take out as well, you know? Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. I think yeah. from like by default, you always need to remember that if you are working for someone else, you are working to build their dream and exactly, not yours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the first thing for sure. Yeah. But it comes with the other side, which is when you are working in your own company, you have all the pains. It's yeah. tough, it's hard, it's frustrating, people don't understand you. You are just working your ass off and things don't work. But when you are in a company, 
it's safe. It's, from my perspective, from my experience, more relaxed. It's more controlled. Yeah. So, of course, it has both sides. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. But you just need to understand for you which one makes sense or if both make sense. Mm -hmm. For example, I had Techia for six months just, just working full-time on Techia and traveling full-time. So it gave me the flexibility of mm -hmm. I did the schedule that I wanted and still I was contributing with something for the society and making money out of it. Mm -hmm. But then I really miss the tech world. I miss speaking with intelligent people, ch the challenge inside tech, building a bigger product that arrives to more people, having a software development right. development team. I missed all of that. And here, um, it was one of the first questions my future, now uh, current boss, asked me was, do you think you can do both things, like having tech here and work as an engineering manager, running a software development team? And I told him, yes, because that's really what I feel I need at this moment. Mm -hmm. Also, because I'm telling people it's amazing to work in tech and I believe it. So for me, it makes sense to continue yeah, working yeah, in tech. Yeah, yeah. It, it goes really well together. Yeah. So, yeah. Tell me about, tell me about your life. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not all it, but like, you know, tell me the process of like going like reskilling yourself and then like founding tech here. How did that uh, go down? Yeah, I'll make it short. <laughs> so back in 2014, <laughs> uh, more or less, I finished my bachelor degree in biology. I was totally in love with genetics when mm -hmm. I started the bachelor degree, but more or less quick, I understood that would not be my career. Basically because I wanted to work in something that I could build and then apply into the society or provide to the society that would have um, uh, some added value. And at least here in Portugal, I studied in Porto and the bachelor degree was very oriented to research. Mm -hmm. So that would not be an option for me. So I finished the bachelor degree. I started working in retail, in a big retailer in Portugal, negotiating with suppliers. I had my team, so it was very dynamic, but uh, I was there for around two to two, three years. I worked with several retailers and I got to a point in 2017. So three years after entering the job market, like for real. Um, and I thought, well, this is a bit boring <laughs> in every aspect. Like I had a long time relationship. I was living in Lisbon. I had my home, my car, my job. My parents were proud because I was working mm -hmm. for a big retailer in Portugal. So more or less all of the variables that society tells you to complete. I completed by 22 years old, more or less, my master degree as well. And in that moment, 2017, my sister got pregnant. And when she got pregnant, I thought, well, maybe I should just leave all of this aside, go traveling and then come back once my niece is born. Mm -hmm. So that's basically what I did. I cut off with everything, <laughs> work, okay. relationships, um, Lisbon, and I went traveling. And my initial plan was six months in Asia, uh, solo backpacking. And I ended up doing four months because I got dengue fever in Ooh. Indonesia. It was very cool. I always say the hospital in Thailand because I still flew from, from, to Thailand um, it was the best, most comfortable, luxurious place uh, I've slept in <laughs> while traveling. Is, isn't um, it like super uh, dangerous? It depends. For the first time, if you go to the hospital um, as fast as you can, because I was waiting for almost two weeks because I thought it was ju just like a flu or something. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't. Um, it's okay because your body will fight with it naturally and it will help you recover you should take some like vitamins drink a lot of water but it will pass there's people that say if you get it for the second time or third time it's more dangerous because then you start mm. bleeding all over really well, the second time yeah. is, normally it's the opposite right like the first time is the hard one and then you get the defenses or something i hope so okay <laughs> Yeah, I hope so. I hope you're right. We'll see eventually. Yeah. But yeah, so I was traveling um, in searching for what I wanted to do with my life a little bit personal, personally and professionally. And what happened was that I didn't find it. But at least I felt that I wanted to work in something that I really, really enjoyed. Right. That I didn't know what it was mm -hmm. yet. 
what what are the other lessons you you took from those travelings like oof traveling really teaches you a lot confidence yeah. learning how to be alone um learning how to learn from boring moments like how to make them interesting even mm -hmm. inside your own head how do you do that well i guess your head it can be quite creative so even if you are in doing some activity or even not doing anything which i'm kind of not the person the type of person that likes to be bored i usually i am always doing some kind of activity but i like the phrase of we need to learn how to be bored because that's that's important not to be always driven by something Right. It seems like you always have the carrot in front of you and you just want to get to that carrot. Right, okay, right. let's do exercise, let's hear a podcast, let's mm, TikTok, whatever. Right? Yeah. That's well, the worst. I hate TikTok. <laughs> that one I don't use. <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> but, I, well. I also don't. But nowadays, every platform has a, a version of TikTok. You know, I, I'm a huge fan right. of YouTube. I love YouTube. And now they have the shorts. And like it's it's really an addiction. It just yeah. opens and you start watching and watching. And I don't want to watch it, but I, I really can't control it, really. I, I have this uh, theory that's like, this should be regulated for sure. And, and one, one um, I was talking not, not so long ago with someone here in Portugal, and he told me exactly the same. Like, it's important to be bored as well for your creativity. Exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah, maybe we heard the same person. I don't know where <laughs> I read this, but I love that sentence because it's yeah. true and it's exhausting that I feel that like, what are you doing now? Okay, are you working? If you're not working, I usually tell my friends, either, either we go somewhere or if I stay home, I will work for sure. <laughs> like for sure. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. that's, that's the, yeah, an important same. part. Yeah. I didn't feel bored while traveling because you always have new things to see, right? Yeah. Uh, or new food to taste or whatever. But of course there are moments that you are alone and you are with your own thoughts. Yeah. And it's kind of that um, phrase that we hear all the time. You need to be okay being alone. You need to enjoy your own company. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess traveling alone helps you a lot in that. Although you are most of the times uh, surrounded by people, okay? It's not, for me at least, it's not lonely at all. I mm -hmm. usually say I feel a lot, a lot lonelier when I'm home than when I'm traveling. Was it dangerous? Did you at any time felt uh, mm -hmm. unsafe? Yeah, a couple of times, mostly in India and Sri Lanka, it's connected to being a girl traveling. You don't feel your physical safety um, so much threatened as we do when you are on a train where you don't see any other women there, like zero women. Or right. when they look at you on the street and they're like, hello, 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 yeah. because you're a girl or they give you a look that makes you feel like a piece of meat. Yeah, but it was nothing major. Uh, it's a little bit part of the culture, but if you're not used to it, and I, when I arrived to Asia, I thought I could do the same that I do in Europe. It's if a guy looks yeah. in a way that's not very comfortable, I would look at him with a mad face and he would go away. Yeah. But that doesn't work in, in Asia. It's worse. So, well. They, th they think that you're interested, is that it? Yeah. More or less, oh, yeah. I wouldn't okay. say interested, but at least that you're giving him attention. Right. So he will give you even more attention. How, how do you, what, what's the, the good reaction then? I would say just be nice and try to ignore it in some way and just follow your way. Right. Don't speak, don't give too much, too much like trust or too much talk. Mm -hmm. uh, be nice, okay? Don't, don't, not being rude. But showing that, well, keeping the, the distance, let's say. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. India is such a different place. I don't know. I'm like, I was there <laughs> and uh, I have a lot of friends from there and I'm so addicted. <laughs> I was there only for like nine days or so, but I would love to just go more because it's so different. You know, coming from a port, uh, uh, country, Portugal, with only 10 million inhabitants, yeah, going true. to a place where 10 million inhabitants <laughs> is a village, You know, like it's so different. They have too many people, too many people, and how the society changes because of that—it's absurd for me. You know? Yeah, it's crazy. I always after I'm not sure. Were you in New Delhi? Yeah, I was, but not. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it was only like nights. So we we never stayed like for a long period. And but the the little I saw, I thought, wow, this is crazy. 
Yeah, like, it's, it's. I always say like every single city in the world is very organized after going to New Delhi. Yeah, because it's just crazy. Yeah, yeah, and the yeah. smell but is crazy amazing. too. The smell, yeah. like that's what I was like, wow, it smells <laughs> like pollution. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, how it literally smells like pollution everywhere. Um, it's yeah. crazy. All but your that, senses are like. Yeah, <laughs> and at the same time, the the Indian people I've met are the best people. You know, like yeah. you have everything, of course, in, in uh, I think, 1.3 billion. But they are so, at least the ones that live and like they, they are like here. And even the ones in the community, they are so open-minded, so nice, so humble that <laughs> I'm always surprised. Like what? Like Indian, every time I see someone from India, it's like, okay, I'll be okay. I like this. I like these people. So it's, it's yeah. really nice. No, for sure. I have yeah. really good friends from there and I learned a lot in India. Did you also travel in um, like the... Arabic world? Uh, I did Egypt okay. last year. Um, well, I wouldn't say it's hard, but it's not, uh, for sure, it's not like Europe. It's not like uh, South America. The language is quite a barrier there. Mm -hmm. But for me, although I went alone, but I have a lot of friends from Egypt. It's probably like the place where I have the majority of my friends outside of Portugal. Is the culture towards women... Is it, is it even worse in India? Like, how do you feel? I, f I felt they were more, their mindset was still even more closed that, okay. than in India. For example, in Egypt, you cannot share a room with a man without being married mm -hmm. with him or her. If you are a foreigner, you can do it, but not people from Egypt. They are not allowed to. It's not illegal. allowed? No. Wow. So, for I example, I was traveling with a friend. He's from Egypt, but he had an American passport but we could not stay in the same room. That's illegal. So those kinds of wow. things, it's a bit, well, yeah. it's weird. And things like, for example, I was walking on the street with shorts because it's like 40 degrees outside. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and well, I don't understand the language, but they were telling me that people were saying like, oh, be careful, it's cold. <laughs> and yeah, and you really feel the pressure of putting some jeans right. on. <laughs> crazy yeah yeah it's so yeah it's so hard it's it's hard to conceive right like uh, and i always feel much more comfortable in europe i guess it's because i'm more uh used to that but it's yeah i mean it's, it's a it's a great challenge so you 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 returned from from your travelings and thinking okay i want to do something that i i love right and mm -hmm. um and you found yeah. how yeah, tell me about it. Like, what is So, step? what happened? <laughs> so, I had dengue fever. I came back to Portugal a little bit earlier. I was still able to be with my sister during like the last weeks of um, her pregnancy, and then um, I started searching on the internet, like, what do I like? What do I want to do? If I go back to retail, I have to go back to Lisbon, but my niece is in Braga, so it doesn't make a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. And I found someone in my city in Braga that was more or less helping young people to enter the job market, let's say. It was something very, not formal at all, okay? So mm. I sent him an email. Um, he was connected to the startup world here in my city. I sent him an email scheduling a, a slot, like one hour, and let's just discuss um, what my, my background, um, academically, professionally, and what are my goals for the future, or how do I imagine my future? So we were there discussing like a normal, just coffee shot. shot. Yeah. And in that moment, um, he told me already that, well, Mariana, I think the tech world could be interesting. But I had no idea what that meant, right? Like I never <laughs> heard about IT, technology, backend, frontend, programming, zero, absolutely zero. So what happened was one or two months after, he sent me an email to me and to my future, what would be my future boss, first boss right. inside IT, saying, hello, Mariana, hello, Nono, I think you should meet each other because you will do great things together. Hmm. This was our introduction, okay? <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> yeah, so I remember I was in, in, in the Netherlands in a, um, a professional dance uh, competition and I looked at that, at that and thought like, okay, uh, well, let's see. So, <laughs> <laughs> what happened was that this person had a software agency. They were looking for a Scrum Master, mm -hmm. which is basically someone that optimizes process, mm -hmm. um, works a lot of organizing the team, ceremonies, uh, step by step. 
I went there, I spoke with this person first, then I spoke with the four founders, and I guess they saw the soft skills that they were looking for. For sure, they didn't see the hard right. skills because I had none. <laughs> because you didn't know, you never learned, you didn't take any course of, on Agile Nothing. or Scrum Masters. Okay. Zero. I didn't know the word Agile back then. Right. <laughs> Neither Scrum, of course. Yeah. But, but yeah, I guess in the conference, uh, one of the panels of the, um, the main stage, they spoke about this, like what would make you hire someone? And what people told, uh, what they spoke about was someone that is humble, someone that has the will to learn, yeah, maybe she or he doesn't have the experience, but if they have the will, if they are open to learn, if they are open to try new things and learn from it and improve, well, that's the, the key point. So mm. I guess in this case, for me, it was exactly the same thing. Right. Yeah. So you got, you got your first job and uh, was it everything you imagined and more? <laughs> Well, in the beginning, I didn't really have an expectation. I was mm-hmm. I was more inclined not to accept the offer just because they were first a small company. It was like 20 people. And I always tell this story because one of them asked me, what would I do if I had like 1,000 euros um, from a project? And I tried to give like that um, professional speech of, I would spend that in a better chair, a better keyboard, a better yeah. screen. <laughs> And he told me, well, you could also spend everything in beer. <laughs> and I'm like, mm, is this really the place where I want to work yeah. in? Because I thought like, maybe yes. this is a joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. But I came from the retail world where, where like you don't even take jeans or sneakers to yeah. work, yeah. right? So for me, that was kind of like a, a scary thing, not mm-hmm. a good one. Well, right, now it right. would be for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah welcome <laughs> to tech. It it's literally yeah, exactly. it's such the culture, you know, like drink beer and, <laughs> totally. and chilled. Yeah. But uh, the first the first month, I would say, um, I was like eating every single um, event about agile, scrum, products, tech that I had in my city. Most of mm-hmm. them were on site. So it was nice to meet people, understand their reality on their own companies, their challenges, hearing about the vocabulary. And then slowly by slowly, like I started implementing some things in the team, understanding if they worked or not. Um, It was hard, of course, it's like a whole new language. Mm -hmm. Um, Even the concepts, uh, how the team was organized, we had several clients, but it was not like an insane um, season to start. Like it was not... um, I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't, I should never have joined without having mm-hmm. some kind of knowledge that didn't yeah. happen. No, that's a very entrepreneurial way, way to learn as well, where you yeah. basically, you have a goal and now you're going to figure out how to do it. So in that sense, uh, you know, it goes really along with your entrepreneurial vein, which then started, right? So when did you start Techia, uh, and how did it come to be? Yeah. So during my four or five years in tech, I moved through different types of companies, as I was saying. And in 2021, so last year, I was already feeling like, no, this is my area. Like I'm never going to leave this area. And I was speaking with a lot of friends and I started feeling a little bit ashamed of um, the the environment I had mm-hmm. because they were not happy with their teams. They were not happy with their managers. Of course, they were not happy with their salaries. And I was basically happy with everything. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like feeling uncomfortable saying after hearing like, yeah, I just got like not even a 10 euros raise. And I'm like, mm, maybe I got 10% raise. So what am I going to tell these people? And what I noticed was that in very different areas, health, education, you were saying in the beginning, it's hard, but they have amazing professionals there that are really putting their effort, their time, their dedication, sometimes their soul um, on their jobs. So they are amazing professionals, but they are not being recognized. And those areas are also not learning from tech as they should (laughs) Mm -hmm. yet. We'll see. So since I was working in the IT sector and I was also seeing that how hard it was to hire people, and I had several colleagues coming from different backgrounds, like psychology, biology as well. Uh, I started thinking, well, why not to do a match here? Mm-hmm. So prepare these people that are amazing professionals to work in tech and in the, at the same time, 
showing these companies that they can hire more people outside of the technical world. Because I had some examples of technical people that wanted either to try the Scrum Master role, Agile coach, or even the engineering manager role, and things just didn't happen. It's different to have a great software developer and having a great engineering manager. So yeah. why not to join here, both forces? And then Techium was born. How, how did you build everything? How did you build the website? How did you uh, build the product itself that you, that you wanted to sell? Step by step. So the first thing I did was um, writing an ebook of how to work in technology without coding. And in there I had like the basic steps of what you need to know to understand if tech is for you or not and what kind of role would it make sense for you. I read a, a very cool sentence um, recently that says, your future is hidden in your daily routine. And I think it fits a lot with this transition to tech. Today, I can hear my students speak for five minutes and I can immediately say if they are more for the product manager role, if they are more for Scrum Master or even manager. That's kind of easy. But in the beginning, it's not that easy. Mm -hmm. And for them, it's a little bit of the same. Like, For example, I went to Scrum Master because I like process. I like to be organized. I write my goals every single three months. I like metrics. I like to experiment and understand if that went well or not. I love retrospectives. It's like, <laughs> ah, love it. Yeah, so, I like them too. It's, they're good, good kind of meeting, yeah. <laughs> they are fun, yeah. even though sometimes you have to speak about hard subjects. Yeah, yeah. But it's like continuous improvement mindset. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I enjoy it a lot. So it was a little bit of trial and error. We were always able to help each one of our students, but their needs were different. Some of them wanted to really move to tech. Some of them were already in tech and they, they wanted to move to a different company or mm -hmm. they wanted to move to the manager role. So basically we were starting slowly by, okay, we have an ebook. Now we give mentorships, individual ones, but it's really a lot of time that you put into an individual mentorship and you cannot really scale. With the mentorships, we were able to understand what's the process that works that um, the optimized framework, let's say, that can do that from zero to hero with our students. Mm -hmm. So slowly by slowly, we started designing a transformational journey. Right. And now we are way more mature on that, mm -hmm. on the services and products that we can offer to each person, each type right. of student, let's say. So you created an ebook and you said like, okay, uh, here's the ebook. Like, would people pay for it? Like, what was the, your first pricing? We started with around 20 euros for that ebook. It was an ebook with around 30 pages uh, mm -hmm. of what's the IT world like and mm -hmm. what are the roles and even exercises. Mm -hmm. And then that ebook would give you a very short mentorship, a one-on-one -on -one of 15 or 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. And then from there, we would be doing more mentorships step-by-step. Mm -hmm. step. So I would be supporting each person individually, which is a huge amount of work. Yes, yes. Then they would pay per mentorship, like an right. appointment. How much would they pay? Oof, in the beginning, 40 euros. 40 euros. Okay. And that and would be one let's hour? Let's think... That would be one hour that would usually be one hour and a half okay. plus the time that I was preparing the mentorship. So we are speaking about usually four hours of work. Four hours. Okay. So around five hour, five euros per hour, which is no yeah. more. Ten. Ten euros per hour. Yeah. Uh, which is still, I mean, it's it's not amazing, but it's kind of no, above it's already bad. the... <laughs> it's bad, but it's above the the, the minimum wage, isn't it? Like well, but it, it, it doesn't work like that because you have to think also you will be repeating yourself almost every single yeah. mentorship yeah. if they are in the same level. So it doesn't make sense. And besides that, you cannot scale that because you will work what? Yeah. Two, you'll have two mentorships per day. Mm. But you're just starting. So, right? So yeah. you, you should well. start with things that do not scale and then you scale it. So I think... I guess like, so. How did you have the the confidence to to immediately ask for 40 bucks? You know, because you haven't tried this before. You don't know if people will be happy or not. And suddenly you are asking for money, uh, yeah. which is 40 euros, which I understand that it's not a lot. But I mean, in Portugal, for a lot of people, 40 euros is it's quite a, an amount, especially with an ebook, then it's 60, you know, plus the time. Um how, how did you get this, this courage? Was it easy for you? Just like, yeah, let's ask for 40. 
Uh, or in the or beginning, so it was not that easy, but I already knew that it would work because I had two um, friends slash students that were very ad hoc in the beginning of the beginning of Tekia. And with them, it was really easy to do the transformation. The first one was searching for her first job after becoming a mom. And I helped her with everything, even what are you going to dress, use uh, for the interview. So I actually advised her not to accept the first offer she did. And then like two weeks later, she was like, I don't want to do this. (laughs) So I was kind of feeling that um, my support here is working. I had, for example, another student. She didn't know she was working for a product manager for one year. And we did one mentorship and she got a 70% salary increase. Wow. So it was like 70%. Work, 70%. Yeah. It was our record two weeks ago. Now we passed that record. <laughs> what what is the record? I think it's record? either 72 or 76. I don't wow. remember. <laughs> but yeah, it's wow. a lot. But yeah. yeah, the thing is, at that moment, um, I saw that kind of impact and I thought, okay, 40 euros makes sense. But now, that we are selling our Techia Pro course. Of course, it's something way more complex, way more complete, um, way more than for a price, way more than that. And when yeah. I speak with people from the business world and they ask me, how much will these people make when they enter in the job market? And how much are you charging? And when I think about that, like, yeah, definitely. yeah it doesn't make sense. The, on the Do first you, salary, they pay yeah. four times the course, you know? Do you so, give any guarantee though? No. I could do it, but I really don't like that model, at least now. I I don't find it convincing Mm -hmm. because what I want to build here is people that are proactive, Mm -hmm. that will look for it. So I don't want people that um, they are looking for a recipe and they are looking for me to do the job for them. You have a product lined up. You know already how your product will look like. And now it's time to do the hardest thing that for a lot of entrepreneurs, which is start selling, start getting clients. How, how did you get your first clients? Where did you find them? Well, from the beginning, I started uh, uh, publishing on social media right away. Instagram was the first one, and I would say it's still our main channel, although LinkedIn is a very strong channel for us. I guess we are connected to a career transitioning, so it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, YouTube, Twitter, um, mm-hmm. and Facebook, of course. So slowly by so slowly, you are I started in all networks. There. You started in all networks. Uh, Less TikTok. Yeah, besides TikTok. <laughs> Isn't that too much? Isn't that too much to focus on? Depends on your avatar or on your where your audience is. For example, after maybe two or three months, I'm starting noticing a range of age, which mm-hmm. for me, it's like from 26, 27 till 35. Mm-hmm. People that are in that stage in your life where either you want to buy a house or you want to move in with your partner, you want to buy a car mm-hmm. and you look at your salary and to the future progression of your career. And you mm-hmm. start thinking, maybe this is not the, the path I should be taking, or you want to start a family so on and so forth. So that range is today my main audience. And where are they? They are usually either in Instagram or in LinkedIn when they are already mm. actively searching. Right. So then Facebook, I would go for the the range after, which is usually 42, 45. Right. It's people that they have a huge uh, professional experience. They thought about it during the last 10 years, but they never did the move. Right. So now they are like, yeah, if I turn 50, that will not happen anymore. So it's either now or never. So I also have yeah. some clients on that range. So Facebook makes sense. What kind of content then works for them? Like how how did you acquire this? Let's say the the millennials, like on on Instagram or something. How how do you? <laughs> well, there's like twenty t- different types of contents that can make you connect with them. Um, not only technical stuff that they will feel okay, but this is not that hard. I can understand this. I can learn this. So mm-hmm. making them understand that these hard skills are learnable. Mm-hmm. right that's one way then connecting with them with your real life like i travel a lot digital nomad or not so mm-hmm. they like those people like traveling it's one of their biggest hobbies let's say so if i show them i am working still traveling working remote 
um, visiting 29 countries at 29 years old, passing mm -hmm. five months in South America, still working, um, 10 sources of income, they will consume that kind of content and they will be interested for sure. Mm -hmm. What else? Um, your, your own pains, like sharing the pains of your students as well. Uh, what we were speaking about, salary-wise, career progression, they don't find a mentor, they cannot speak about with their managers about receiving and giving feedback. That's not right. something that's common outside of the tech world. Yeah. So they start thinking, okay, maybe there is something better yeah. outside. And then they start digging. And then they digging, reach out digging. to you or they go to your website? What is like the path? Yeah, it depends. Sometimes they reach us directly on social media, like sharing their story and uh, in what stage they are. Mm -hmm. And now usually we always drive these people to our free class because in there they will have a live with me explaining what is this about the tech world, op opportunities, etc. Um, or they send us an email directly. Sometimes we receive huge testimonials of people. <laughs> um, and then it depends. We receive people that are completely broken down because they have difficult work experiences. There's a lot of right. abuse in the job right. market, yeah, yeah. which was surprising for me. Abuse not only in a salary level, like companies that don't pay, but also emotionally, yeah, psychologically. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so we have people that arrive to us really, really messed up. Mm -hmm. uh, and we also try to help on that. But yeah, so they reach out to us. The ideal here is for them to feel almost like a one-on-one. -on -one. That's mm -hmm. why the personal branding helps a lot. It's Mariana behind Techia. Yeah. It's not just yeah. a name of a company. Um, and that makes them feel comfortable reaching out. Mm -hmm. And then you convert them to, to paying. Uh, you, you give them the free class. Mm -hmm. And then they experiment, and then if they like it, they will then convert and start paying, right? Yes, yes. Okay. So the free class is around one hour, but it usually lasts around one hour and a half because people have a lot of questions. Yeah. And during that free class, I already explain what's the transformational path that we have and what are their options. So, yeah. for example, they can start with a small amount of money doing our challenge. That is like 50 euros now. It's a 14 days challenge where they will learn a little bit more about IT and what's the perfect role for them. Then they have the basic course, which is a four weeks course. Then they have the pro course, which is six mm. months from zero to hero. And they have the mentorship, which is like a Netflix career. So we already have all of those products. We mm. usually show all of these transformational paths because we have people in different stages. Uh, but we drive more for the challenge mm -hmm. because the majority of our audience is still in like the default uh, status, right. completely zero. They just heard yeah. about tech, yeah. but they don't know much. Yeah. So tell me about the numbers. In the first six months, you said you focused 100% in Techia, right? So there was not nothing else. You you left your job and focused only in Techia. And then what, what are the numbers? How much money like were you able to generate from that? Not much in the first in the first six months. Mm, I don't have the exact number, but I would say less than five thousand for sure. Okay, okay. Which I mean, so six months is a, a, a little bit less than a thousand per month. Yeah, um, which is still not bad. Like uh, comparison with a lot of like indie makers when they start here, like it's I mean it's quite good. So yeah. Yeah. Why it's, did you it's, decide? It, it's tough. It's tough in the beginning. Learning how to make money, even if you believe in your products. Right. But understanding how you pick up someone that has a specific a specific need. Mm -hmm. And even though you have the solution, how can you make that person believe that you have the solution? And how mm -hmm. can you make them feel that they are capable of picking that solution and becoming something else? And of course, it depends on the product itself, but... In my case, we are speaking of a big change. Like it's a career mm -hmm. change. It's not something, it's not buying earrings or a watch. Right. Um, that's that's kind of one thing that frustrates me a lot. <laughs> Because <laughs> when you are really helping people to change their lives, it's way more difficult for them to spend money than if you were asking yeah, for 100 yeah, yeah, euros yeah, yeah. to buy a watch. That will it's make crazy. nothing. It's true, it's true. But well, that's society. Yeah, it's, yeah. It is what it is. But yeah, learning how to convert people and how to communicate and how to show them that transformational path, which for me is the turning point of a business. 
People will only buy if they understand I am here, I want to be here, mm -hmm. and with this service, with this product, I can make the shift. Right. For me, that was the, the path during the, that those six months, and it still is, actually. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like selling a, a gym membership a little bit, you know? I think in gyms okay. you do this. Like, you go there and you say, okay, this is how much you weight now, this is your target, and this is how you get there. You know, it's <laughs> it's very abstract, you know, like, yeah. um, and people can do that technically on their own, uh, but of course that with the support, it's it's much, much easier. So, like, you need to tell them that, you need to teach them that, which is incredibly hard for, for sure. sure. Um, but you're, you're, you're able to, to do that, and you're able to make money from the start. Um, why did you decide then to to kind of stop it or not stop it, but put it on the side and, and go work for a company because at the moment you're employed as well, right? Like you, you work for as an engineering manager, right? That was kind of um, something I felt very naturally. I was traveling in uh, South America since January and I was feeling lonely in the business. And although I was um, enjoying it, I felt the need of speaking with different people because Of course, my students, they all know less than I do mm. about working in tech, even though I have students with more experience than I have, <laughs> but they were coming to me to speak about subjects that I know more, which is career management, career progression, interviews, those kinds of things. So first I felt the need of, I uh, usually describe this as speaking with very, very intelligent people mm -hmm. that would bring me some challenges and things that I don't know how to build or how to make them work. Then I was feeling lonely. So it's kind of hard not to have a team. And I was really used to having a team. I mm -hmm. always have wonderful teams in IT and I was missing that. And then the third reason was if I am selling to people that working in tech is amazing and I truly believe that working in tech is amazing, well, why not? Why not keep working in tech and um, adapting both mm -hmm. And it actually helps me a lot because my day-to-day -day is always inside the tech world. Right. So I not only see it progressing, like in reality, mm -hmm. for example, there is a, a huge wave of layoffs now in tech, especially mm -hmm. during the summer and now supposedly coming down, but I am inside of, the, of that, like I am living it. So that also helps me either to think right. about what kind of content do I want to create, what's the state of the art <laughs> happening mm -hmm. in IT, um, Well, connecting more with the, the world. So I have the whole perspective of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you work full-time in this company or do you work like part-time? Full-time. So how do you have time for uh, for techie at the moment? I work at 6.30. <laughs> I usually go to CrossFit to clean my mind. Um, I eat breakfast at 8, have a shower, read during 30 minutes, 40 minutes in the morning to have more content, more ideas, to help me feeling like I'm working on my personal growth. And then around 9.30, I start to work uh -huh. as an engineering manager. Yeah. Um, I do it during the full day, like till 5.30, 6. Sometimes mm -hmm. during lunchtime, I answer some emails from Techia, stuff like that. We also have a flexible schedule and I work from home. So it's kind of easy to be dealing with my team, anything mm -hmm. that we need, organizing stuff. And that will also give me ideas for tech. Right, so right. in the end of the day, let's say six, I close, I usually say I close one laptop, I open the other yeah. one. And what do I have to do? Maybe I have to record some classes about mm -hmm. the roles, about challenges, about use cases. For example, our students will enter now in the module of deciding which role is the best one for them. Mm -hmm. And I also feel that I can do, I can be a lot more productive. I am tired. Okay. Let's not make it uh, easy here. It's tough because my motivation is like bumping, yeah. but my head is tired. My yeah, body yeah, is yeah, tired. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can imagine. But I yeah. still find it. Mm -hmm. I still find the will to do it. And sometimes it's very easy. Like yesterday I recorded maybe six or seven videos, very short ones, mm -hmm. just introduction for, for each one of the classes. And it was very easy and I'm, I'm making it faster and faster, of course. But there are days that I have to produce content that I am exhausted. But well, you do what you got to do. Yeah. Sometimes it's easier, sometimes it isn't, but it's possible to, to do both. But, but why, sure. why not doing like working less? Like, did you ever consider 
trying to work maybe three days a week or four days a week and get the other yeah, day to fully maybe. focus on tech, yeah? For me, it would be perfect. At yeah. least the four-week work week, yeah. that would also yeah, help. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. um, in here, well, I... I Till now, I feel I really chose a company where I have that flexibility. Mm -hmm. And even the idea behind the unlimited PTO is if you are tired, just rest. Right. And I joined only three months ago. But the truth is when I need to rest or usually I take days off to work, like future work yeah. conference, right? I took one day off and I went to the conference. Uh, but if I feel I need it, um, I will have it mm -hmm. till now, since I am still learning, still like yeah. dealing still with the camp. And, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's still early. Maybe I will just yeah. burn out totally <laughs> in well, a couple of not, months. Yeah. Hopefully not. I, I think I will be able to recognize when it's too much and stop and either take some days off or rest for whatever it is mm -hmm. or do a pause or even question myself. If it makes sense or not, mm -hmm. but still now it's working. all good. It's working. Yeah, it's working. My friends suffer a little bit, but I also Yeah, I don't know think, I get the time. <laughs> I get <laughs> during the yeah. weekends, during the weekdays, it's totally impossible. So you don't work but during the weekends too? I would during the weekends, don't... what happens is, for example, it depends on the, on the times. If I have something to deliver, I have to work more, of course. Mm -hmm. But for example, last weekend, um, Friday night, I worked till 11 p.m. Mm -hmm. Then I went to bed. On my Saturday morning, I went surfing, like 9 a.m., so early for a Saturday. Right. And I spent the whole day with my friends. Like, we had lunch together, we had a coffee in the afternoon, we spoke about life, etc. near the sea, which helps me a lot. Yeah. <laughs> then I get home around 7 p.m., I work till 10, a little bit, just, okay, what do I need to organize? What, what do I want to have completed till tomorrow, yeah. Sunday? And then I went out at night, like, partying, really yeah. partying. And I arrived really late on Sunday. So I spent the whole day resting or recovering. <laughs> and I was able to work like two or three hours on Sunday still. Yeah, but, well. that, that would never work for me. <laughs> I think that, <laughs> that discipline is just like, I guess it depends also a little bit on your personality. Like that discipline, it would never work for me. As a last, a last question, and again, you kind of already spoke about it, but your, your goal now in the next five, six months is to make it completely passive or not more passive, not completely, but more, more passive, passive, which it's extremely hard because you are, as you said, you are the face of Techia. You are the teacher, you are the mentor. Um, in, in like briefly describe what, how are you going to achieve that? How, how, how are you planning at least to achieve that? So if we think about that transformational journey that we have and mm -hmm. each product that we have inside, for example, the free class is active. I am there for one hour, an hour and a half, but I already know every single thing that I will say, that I will explain, almost every single question that will pop up. And the live part, it's one hour and a half per month. Mm -hmm. Okay. So one hour and a half per month and everything for the free class is already organized. People will subscribe automatically. I have a form in my website, so that's automated, passive. Mm -hmm. Then the challenge, it's recorded. So it's 14 days. They have one video per day. The, all those videos are recorded, so mm -hmm. I don't need to be there. I right. need to be there for the last session, which is also one live session of one hour. Right. So that will happen also one time per month. Done. Mm -hmm. Then the basic course, it's passive, totally mm -hmm. recorded. That's it. They go into the platform. They see it. They can, they can ask doubts, but that is async. So mm -hmm. I will go to my email or either to the comments on the platform and mm -hmm. answer. Then the pro course is the one that gives more work. Although it's also seven modules that they are all recorded, mm -hmm. but the students will have exercises. They usually have more doubts because they are really deep into it. And they have a live session in the end of each module. So we are speaking about seven live sessions in three months, more mm -hmm. or less. And some techie master sessions because we are bringing coaches, psychologists, people from the IT market, wow. people with the roles that they will move yeah. to. But yeah, that part is active, but still, yeah, it's not a full-time job. Yeah, that seems a lot of work, though. It kind it's of seems fun. like a full-time. You speak with people. Yeah. You think like, hey, this guy would be amazing to bring for them. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. It's cool. But yeah, it's for sure not yeah. passive. And finally, the techie membership, which uh -huh. means every single week, I need to produce content. Right. And... This also brings the other side, which is if we are on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, we also need to produce content for that. Yeah. So what I do at the moment is 
I set three or four hours a week, usually on Sunday, to automate all the content that I want to share during okay. the week. Yeah, yeah. So Facebook business, Instagram, Facebook are controlled, mm -hmm. stories, um, uh, publications, all of those is automatical. LinkedIn, I put just like a slot in my calendar, just publish this today. Email is also sent automatically. Videos, yes, I do one per week. So yeah, it has some wow. Some active. I'm getting you know nervous tired. by hearing this. Yeah, tired. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's crazy. So much things. Um, yeah. Wh where did you see? That's why I I want to hire people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely. I think you have you have a product there that definitely would work as a full time job. You know, like you you can yeah. definitely grow that. Where do you see yourself in five years? My answer will not be uh, something very. Objective. Yeah. Okay. But the main thing for me is in five years, in 10, in 40, I want to be in a place or in a situation that I continue to have the freedom to choose where I want to work from, to whom I want to work for, in what I want to work for. That's right. the main thing for me. So I think that will be inside technology the same, either with techie full time, either with engineering manager full time, doing both, so both whatever. Both would be happy for you. Uh, working both for would be happy for or, me. Or another one. Yeah, like for sure. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Mariana, thank you so much uh, for uh, for your time and, and speaking with uh, wannabe entrepreneurs about your uh, your career, indie career. You're an indie hacker. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you for letting me know what I am. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> And this was another wannabe entrepreneur. If you want to support this podcast, which I appreciate because I don't do any advertisement, you can become a member of the WB space is 10 bucks per month. The other way is to buy our amazing WB merch. You can find it in store.wannabe-entrepreneur.com or just by sharing with all of your indie maker friends. That will be amazing. This was another wannabe entrepreneur. See you next time. <laughs>